evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am the man that brought sexy back, Daniel Hummer, and I am here with one half of my testicles, Doug Hummer. Yo. And the other half, Eric. What up? How's everybody doing tonight, fellas? Pretty good. good. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, well, happy holidays to you as well, Eric. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, wait. That was a yeah. long pause. Yeah. No. Uh, unfortunately, that's what happens when you read something. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought I lost you for a second. Anyway. Hell yeah. Happy holidays to the Unscripted family. Yes. We're here on Christmas weekend, still putting in the hours, still delivering you people. And the great, great people of the Inscripted family, some uh, loving wrestling content. Yeah, I mean, every other content that we're supposed and, to do this weekend, you can all go fuck yourselves because yeah. it is Christmas. But yeah. I was going to say, this is the only show we're doing this weekend. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Hard Justice 2006 from TNA. This is our first TNA pay-per-view, fellas. I was just going to say, we, we've done a TNA roster tier list. Yeah, that's But it. we've never done a pay-per-view, right? No, this is the first bit of TNA that we've it, covered. It took three years to do it. <laughs> three years, long overdue. Eric's been asking for it for a while. Eric's been asking for it for two and a half years. Yeah. yeah but yeah. there's two things to take into account. One is, you know, everything has to be found on Impact Plus. There's until now. Service. Yeah. And, well, until now, obviously. Or at least the pay-per-views. And two, we're too fucking cheap to want to pay for another fucking nine dollars a month for another. Well, just because it's not worth it, right? Yeah. Uh, because to do a show like once every couple months, it's just not worth it to get the service. But All right, like WWE yeah. Network on Peacock, like that, we watch that almost every week. But now that they've officially uh, released a lot of the shit on YouTube, we can definitely get into a lot more of the pay-per-views. Yeah. Uh, and other stuff too. We'll talk more TNA. I'd like to do ROH stuff in the future. Yeah, uh, and there's some old ROH stuff too. There is. There definitely is. Uh, we'll look into the new uh, Honor Club service as well. Like if they, because uh, that's where their TV is going to be. Yeah. And I've actually had the Honor Club service before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and me and me and had it. I only watched it like five times. <laughs> I was just like, all right, it's not worth it. I didn't think it was worth it, yeah. No. But, uh, yeah, TNA is one of my favorite eras in wrestling, to be honest, TNA around this time. Yeah. I thought they were really cooking, like, 2006 till about the time Hogan got there. Like, 2004, yeah. 2005, 2000, like, this era. I know people talk about Jarrett's Reign of Terror in the vein of, like, Triple H's, but I don't agree, and I don't think it's the same thing. Because I loved all the opponents he went up against, and I thought he was a good heel to keep yeah. winning and stuff. Well, and, 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 and then he left for two years. Mm-hmm. Right, and... So, it's not like he went there forever. Because I think it was around this time, things really started to go downhill with his, and again, downhill with his wife, Jill. Uh... <laughs> Jack and Joe went down the hill? Well, no. It's a breast cancer. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Leave with that, rhyme. you fucking asshole. I was trying not to rhyme because I did not want to just fucking... And by the way, we definitely killed down the hill. Uh, but 
I was trying not to rhyme because I knew that one of us would go there. I expected it to be me. <laughs> but no, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. I think. Uh, she's no longer with us. She is no longer with us. She. He he's married to Karen now. Well, I didn't know if they just separated or. No, she uh, no she passed in uh, in two in two thousand seven. Uh, I'm looking like a real asshole. <laughs> we got we got to bring this back. I'm sorry I didn't know about Jeff Jarrett's. Uh, yeah, no, it's significant other. It's fine. But uh, but yeah, no. So this was this was a good time period. Just, and again, you got to remember too that around here they had the deal on Spike TV. But remember, it was a 11 p.m. on a Saturday time slot. Yeah, and then I think I think it got moved to Thursdays at nine of in I want to say in April. Yeah, or in April of this year. But yeah, when they first started, it was Saturdays at nine at the at eleven p.m. time slot, and then it moved to right at then it moved to Thursdays because they wanted a prime time slot. Yeah, but it was still going to be at like ten or eleven o'clock, and then they moved it to nine, and then finally, you know, two thousand seven, they got two hours and it was off the races. Yeah, so fucking. And this was a good time for TNA because Christian Cage made his debut, um, what almost a year earlier, and then Kurt Angle made his debut um, about a month later. Right. Yeah, so things were still cooking at this point. This is when things were getting really hot. You had a lot of good things going in. Uh, this week, do we want to give a worker of the week? Uh, the person I would give as the uh, worker of the week, just because I think that this person is doing real well, and it, it's mainly because of a promo she cut. And what she did to Bianca Belair oh. and that's your girlfriend Alexa. Yeah. Heal Alexa. I'm giving mine to Richard Scott. Yeah. Giving his to who? Ricky Stark. Okay. Who the thought? I'm just fucking with you. Uh I'd probably go Alexa too. Yeah, I like Kilo Alexa. Yeah, and the thing is, is that like, I mean, you, she's pretty much heel now. She is. And, well, I mean, you smack the most popular woman in the back of the head with a fucking flower vase. You're a heel. Yeah. Also, you know, this week was the return of Bronson Reed. You know, he's going to be Mrs. New uh, Bitch. Muscle. Yeah. Uh. I guess, uh, you know, they needed something ugly to accompany Miz to ringside, and Maurice apparently is busy, so they got Bronson Reed. That's funny. <laughs> uh, Actually, you know, I think Bronson Reed's better looking. You're happy. Hey, why? All right. So, coming off of... Right before this, we have Victory Road, right? 
Yeah. Right before the Victory Road, yeah. And that's when Sting wins the Road to Victory match. Yes. To become the number one contender for the title. And by the way, the new member of TNA management yes. announced its slam anniversary back in June was Jim Cornette. Yep. Holy shit. And there's the, the Bisco with the, the GM or something? A uh, member of the championship committee. Uh, yeah, I don't like him as a heel, but we'll get to that. You don't like who is a heel? The Bisco. Legend Larry. Larry Legend, whatever you want to call him. Yeah, he... uh, The funny thing with him is when they brought him in... So, it's the storyline with Raven that really turned him heel. Here. Because he was kind of a baby face, and then... You know, they started doing all the conspiracy stuff with Jared, and, you know, Sting started calling him the cancer, which is real fucked up because of what his wife ended up with. Yeah, but Jared was a good heel. Oh, he's a great heel, because yeah. he almost, I really think a lot of what he was doing was pretty much just him kind of copying Triple H's ring of terror. A little bit, yeah. But I almost liked it better you on could this say that. I almost liked it better than what Triple H was. And I like both eras. Because I, I like a long heel run. Because I'm a Slayer guy. You know, so I don't mind. And I, I didn't even mind the Ruthless Aggression era with Triple H. Because you would get your Rob Van Dams versus him in Booker T's. And yes, some of those guys probably should have beat him and won the title. But it was still cool to see babyface after babyface line up and, you know, lose. Yeah. And it, yep. and him keep going. And who's going to be the guy? And I, I like that type of wrestling. Sean. It's very formulaic and it's old school. But that's a type of wrestling that I enjoy. So, uh I, I like Jared's heel, and when he finally loses to Sting, you know, in a couple months, it's fucking awesome in the career versus title match. Yeah, and then when he, because when he pretty much said, he goes, look, I'm going home. Mm-hmm. And then he let other people take the shine, you know, so. Yep. I don't That's know. when Kurt Angle came in, yeah. took the reins. A lot of people give him shit because he owned the company. But it's also like the only person you can truly trust is yourself. So remember, he was just minority owner at the time because the Carters had really taken over. Yeah. Uh, and Dixie had no idea what the fuck she was doing. Yeah. But like this stuff was still good. I, I enjoyed his run. And I enjoyed the people lined up to go against him and stuff. And it transitioned when it yeah. needed to. Because then you like you're, you're building Samoa now. You got Kurt coming in. You got Christian. You like you got all these factors. And then Jared's like, all right, I'm going to step away. I think that was, like, I don't think he's as selfish as people say he is. I don't think And then when he came back, you had that storyline. And I didn't mean to interrupt there. But I think a lot of it, too, Sorry. was, okay, uh, the Carters yeah. and Dixie. Because Dixie had no clue how to run a wrestling company. No. Like, all right, so I was told a long time ago by a former associate I worked with at uh, Walmart, uh, about management, they're like, you know, he goes, you know, Doug, some of these managers here can't even manage the lemonade stand. Mm-hmm. And you can actually apply that to any facet. Yes. You can apply that to a lot of wrestling promotions. Yes. Like, there was a lot of promoters throughout the territory area where it's just like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. 
Dixie Carter, the only thing Dixie Carter can run is the Moonlight Bunny Ranch in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying she does, but I think that's the only thing she'd be qualified for. I agree. I wholeheartedly agree. And uh, But I do think some good wrestling came out of her time. Like, I don't think it's all bad. Like, this is actually good. Some of this shit's better than AEW now. Yeah, and yeah. the funny it, it, so here's the funny thing. Mike today and Don West, I'm gonna say this right now, were my favorite, besides J.R. and King yeah. were my favorite commentary duo. Really? Because well, I I've always loved Mike Tanae. Yeah, he's good. I don't necessarily think he was great as like the head play by play guy. He wasn't good with Taz. No, him and Taz stuck. Uh but that's also because you hate Taz. Yeah. But it's funny because, like, uh, but no, I think today and Wes did a fantastic job of calling things. I do think that a lot of the people, because remember TNA's booking team at the time. Cornette got brought in to work with Jared. Mm-hmm. Vince Russo had come back to the company, which Cornette pretty much wanted to quit as soon as he found out Russo was coming back. But Cornette also had quite a few friends that were working there at the time who were just like, okay, I can handle it since these guys that are here are my friends. Yeah. Which includes Doug Bell. Huh? No, I was asking who who would that be. Yeah. Dutch Mantel was there, and Dutch Mantel mediated a shit ton. You know, okay. for a lot of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Dutch Mantel was there. Believe it or not, Savio Vega was a booker uh, in uh, in TNA. Uh, Terry Taylor was there, uh, and Terry Taylor was actually friends with both Cornette and and Russo. He he was sucking Russo mm-hmm. off more later on, but uh, you also had. You know, even though Road Dog was a performer, he was also kind of helping with the creative process. Obviously, you had Jeff. Uh, you had uh, Jeremy Borash, who was doing a lot of the booking. Uh, Disco, yeah. Lord help us. Well, uh, and they had a lot to play with, too. I mean, this to me, this is one of the most underrated talent rosters of all time. Yeah. You got a, a prime abyss. You got a prime Joe. You got a prime Gail Kim leading the females. You got AJ and Christopher Daniels in a tag team, for God's sakes, and uh, against yeah. LAX, which is another you know famous tag team. Uh, you know, probably you historic, uh, historic. You got the machine guns going against each other on this card, for God's sakes. They're not the machine guns yet. Yeah. You know, you you got uh, fucking prospects like Monty Brown. You know, he didn't end up anything because he's you know chose family over the business, which you can't blame him, but. Monty Brown was fucking, he was ready to go at this point. He was awesome. The pounce and shit. Rhino came over and he was a good addition. Cage was a good addition. Monty Brown should have been champion in 2005. He should have. But what I'm saying is they had a hell of a talent roster at this point. Yeah. No, they did. did. And this was before, like, knockouts started really picking up and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Gail Kim was, and obviously Sorelda, they were the only women really on the roster. Yeah. Because so, Trinity had crossed you know, over. Wow. Ugh. Trinity had crossed over. Tracy Brooks really wasn't wrestling. 
but so and I'm so that was before that. But they're already like they had a killer roster at the fucking time. Yeah, and it gets better and better, yep. but still at this point, it's a pretty badass roster. Let's get into the event. Uh, we're in Orlando, Florida, at the Impact Zone. There's 900 people in attendance. Uh, but it's a pay-per-view. It's hard justice. Uh, well, this was also a way too for them to save money. Yeah. And only go to big arenas for like the big shows. Yeah. No, I know. Like a, a Bound for Glory. Anniversary and anniversary. Bound for Glory. The Lockdown, which is you know the all cage pay-per-view. Technically, those are the only ones you really need to take on the road because those are your uh, those are your big ones. Yep. So Sanjay Dutton, Cassidy Riley, Sanjay Dutton, Cassidy Riley defeat Jimmy Jacobs and El Diablo in the pre-show, and uh, also another dark match: Ron Killings against A One. Ron Killings was a pretty big draw for them, it seemed like at the time. Yeah, but he was also starting to get like really frustrated. Well, I can tell why he would be frustrated. They put him on the fucking pre-show. Yeah. Well, because also, too, they had broken up the crew, Free Life crew. Yes. And then, like, they started kind of capitalizing because he started doing his own rap music. Yeah. Uh, but they really didn't know what else to do with him, and he was feeling frustrated creatively to where he didn't, like, he just kept taking time off. Yeah. Like after Bound for Glory in uh in October, he was pretty much he would only come back to do like sporadic pay per view appearances. Yeah. Cause he was just like, I do not you know, like he he spent a year trying to get out of his contract. Damn. Then he went what to WWE after, right? In two thousand eight, yeah. What's up? And he's been there ever since, entertaining millions. Eric Young and Johnny Devine uh, open up the card. Johnny Devine, part of Team Canada, right? Eric, Eric Young was hot at this time. I mean, not yeah. I mean, hot over the, with the crowd. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. Uh, part of Team Canada, but then became part of the paparazzi. Yeah. Because Team Canada had disbanded. Yep. Scott Demore actually went into the into the booking and yeah. uh, producing role. Right. Uh, Eric Young did get a pop, and Jim Cornette was yelling at the backstage. It was funny. He's like, "You better not lose." Yeah, that, that had aired like a couple days before. Cornette was not at the at the pay per view because Cornette was technically still working for Ring of Honor at the time. Oh. He was. Oh. He had he had to finish up dates for Ring of Honor. Because Ring of Honor and... and this is both, then he went back to Ring of Honor, too, right? In 2009, yeah. So Ring of Honor and TNA were kind of working together. Uh, and then, They worked together a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they were... So they were working together back here. They were doing, like, the talent ex- uh, cha- uh, exchanges and all that. Because Joe and Jay Lethal and AJ and Daniels and those guys were all still Ring of Honor guys as well. I think Christopher Daniels was yep. uh, Ring of Honor tag champion. Yeah. He was big at, time in Ring of Honor. Yeah, at that time. But then uh, I think it was around here, around this time, where uh, Dixie started telling the guys, because the accusations about uh, 
Fein, uh, Rob Feinstein, who's the original o- uh, owner and founder, or who he he helped financially backring him on, or was it, he was one of the original owners. Yeah. Uh, he liked uh, the same kind of uh, penis and pussy that Jerry Lawler liked. You know, the kindergarten pussy. Uh, so, uh, um, so they decided, okay, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to kind of pull out. Well, Feinstein had been asked to leave, and then gradually TNA guys started kind of getting, I mean, they were still kind of working for him, but they were also gradually, like by the, by April of 2007. They were pretty much uh, they were pretty much done with uh, Ring of Honor, right? Uh, and then Feinstein. Actually, you know, what? I'm not going to have any more jokes about Feinstein and Jerry Lawler and how they're trying to open up a kindergarten kitty club. Uh, no more jokes after that one. Yeah. Uh, Eric Young and Johnny Devine really light the place up. Uh, it's really a, a, a fire performance. Yeah. Because the pyro lights the fucking stage on fire. Yeah, that was that was, that was weird. That, I mean, that's like the first forty minutes of this show. They they do scrap together a good pay per view after, but the whole story at first is the fire, and then the announcers have to leave and they have to stall. And which, how the hell do? You, why the hell do you include that on a DVD release? I have no idea, <laughs> but it was fucking hilarious. Like. I understand live pay-per-view, and there's nothing you can do about it. But cut it from the DVD. Yeah. They just kept hyping the shit up. They, then they were hyping up a 14, a 14 matchup that they never actually that they never got to. But they still decided to have Gail Kim and uh, that Serelda on there. Which, by the way, you know, Serelda was told afterwards, you're done. Like, we don't need you anymore. This is her last match? Yes. Yeah. She was she she was off. Yeah, she didn't. But well. because Gail Kim is fucking hot, they're just like and like <laughs> Gail Kim's entrance, and we'll get to that later on. But good lord, she can wrestle too. I yeah. did that. Yeah, Gail Kim is uh, she's beautiful yeah, and athletic. She's one of the best female wrestlers of all time. Yeah. she would be on my top ten females. Exactly, because she's beautiful yep. and athletic. Uh, and she's she's not just a pretty face. She married? Yeah, she married uh, Robert Irvine, the uh, famous chef. Oh, That's damn. awesome. Yeah, he's, he's muscular as fuck. She could bench press me. Uh, she probably she probably only married him so <laughs> she can get a gourmet dinner every night. Yeah, maybe. But this match, I would give this match like three stars because it never really got to do anything. Well, yeah. I feel like they cut it short, right? I I think they had to, like, they, I think they thought they had the fire under control, but you can even see with the fire extinguisher. Yeah. That, like, the one part of the structure was still on fucking fire. Yeah. So they do the match and then they just cut to today and Don West for what seemed like for fucking ever. And then they're like, come on, guys, just stall, stall. And then they go to that long ass video package with Sting. Yes. It, it was uh, for Sting, right? For Sting and Jared. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then afterwards, but like it was during that video package to where they're just like, all right, everybody out of the building. 
Like, yeah. we have to get you out of here. So that's, you know, what they did. And they're just like, oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. And the fire marshals are like, no, it's not. Get out of the building. Because part of the thing was still on fucking fire. Yeah. And then they had the Monty Brown uh, promo, which interview, which was long as well. Yeah, he was good, but that did go on for a while. He, well, because, again, they're trying to stall for time. Yeah. And That's then they a weird had, position to put somebody in. Yeah, and then they had Shane Douglas and the Naturals come in and cut a promo. Oh, Shane Douglas went on for fucking ever. Yeah, a pipe and a match yeah. that they were in the middle of canceling. Yeah, they did cancel that. I remember. <laughs> Hello? Hey. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. I thought it happened again. It didn't happen. We're here a lot. But, uh, but yeah, and then afterwards, you know, like, because what would have made sense is just going right to the four-way tag match. Yeah. But they didn't. They instead went to the X Division match, which it was supposed to be Chris Saban and, and Kevin Nash. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's Kevin Nash is going to be wrestling in his injury. Kevin Nash. Uh, yeah. Don't get so me started with Kevin Nash. Let's go to Saban and Shelly. Nash was here to collect a check, and you can tell. He didn't give a fuck about anything. Uh, the whole injury shit was stupid. It was just weird seeing Nash in such a B-player role, you know, because I forgot that he did some of this shit around this time. And I get... Yeah, that would be him saying, "Well, I tried to help younger talent." No one tells me. Everyone tells me I don't fucking do that. I did that, so I understand that. But like, you beat Chris Sabin at Slammiversary, but you did it to where like you had to be a chicken shit, mm-hmm. and Alex Shelley had to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they asked you to put over Chris Sabin, you showed up to the building in a neck brace, or. or or, no, like, the next race was just, like, the on-camera thing. But you pretty much went to Jeff Jarrett and said, I'm not doing this. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm out. Like, I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So they came up with something else, and they decided to put you in a wheelchair, which you're cutting a backstage promo. You're in your underwear or a very long-ass pair of shorts. Yeah. Or a short-ass pair of shorts. And then they wheel you out after they tell you to put pants on, and you're still wearing fucking flip-flops. Yeah, he just didn't, he didn't seem to give a fuck, which I, I don't blame him around this time. It's like, it just feels like he was phoning it in. Like, I do like Kevin Nash, and I think he gets a bad rap for, and I don't think he was phoning it in like 97, 98 WCW. Like, people, like when he had the book, I feel like he was working really hard, and he was trying to make it a good You know what I think More is? than people give him credit for. I think it was, if Scott Hall was around, he would try. Yeah. But I think everything from 99 after, he was like, we're never going to compete with WWE again. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. But that's why I think, like, cause, you know, 99 and all that, that's when Scott Hall was having a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. He, would try, he would try harder when Scott Hall was around because he always used to say, it's no fun unless my buddy's here. Yeah. And that's why, like, he tried to get Scott Hall in in 2007. But he also did try... Uh, yeah, but it seemed like they were fucking around together in TNA when Scott Hall did get there. And 
it, it always felt like they were trying to recapture something. Yeah. And it always, like any, I do, I think Nash tried in 03, 02 in WWE. Like well, right, because it was for sh- Hunter. Yeah, with the shit with Hunter and stuff. I do think he tried. And I think he always, you know, cared when it was, seemed to be like a big deal. But I think at this point he was like, this shit isn't a big deal. This is a paycheck. Uh, but only he could tell you that. I'm just saying yep. from outside perspective. And Johnny Devine's out here again. So you get right, because he was part of the paparazzi. So, uh, but Chris Saban and Alex Shelley, seeing the guns go at it uh, again after, or not again, but seeing them go at it after being so used to them as a team is fun. Yeah. And these guys know each other so well, so their chemistry was really good. I would actually give this like a seven star. I would say about seven as well. Oh, yeah. And you got to remember, too, they were, Saban was 24, I think, at the time. Shelley was 23. Yes. And they wouldn't form until, what, a year later? They would form a year later, yeah. A whole year? I give this a seven, too. Slam, a slammiversary, yeah. Holy shit But, yeah, I thought, I thought this match was really good. Uh, they're still working on becoming better versions of themselves at this time. But they are they're still oh, good yeah. athletic, you know, kids that can go, and you can tell. Yeah. So I would give this a seven. They had a lot of fun with each other, and Saban got the victory in a feel-good type moment. Kevin Nash had egg on his face, so it was it was a good little program yep. for what it was. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, I give it seven and a half. Actually. Okay. Next up, we have Abyss, who is always one of my favorites in TNA. I always saw him as their cane. Like reliable, yep. but also like that big scary monster. But also reliable and can do. He anything. was a true monster. He was a true monster. Yeah, but he would also like whatever talk. they threw at him, he would try. Just like the Joseph Park shit. Yep. Yeah. He barely uh, talked, if at all. Well, he didn't need to talk. He had James Mitchell. To, I mean, later on when he would do all the talking, yeah. But he really didn't need to cut a promo. You had Jim nope. Mitchell there doing a forum. Exactly. But uh, I thought, I he, thought was, he was a decent babyface too when he was babyface. He was, but he's better as a heel. Yeah, because of the character. Oh yeah. I like him as heel against like AJ and shit. Yeah, against AJ. Uh, you know, Dang. stuff he did with Rhino earlier this year was pretty good. Yeah. When he challenged Christian for the belt earlier in the year. Yes. He was a good big man. Yeah. I didn't even I didn't mind him with Hogan when they first did that. Oh, when they first had him as yeah. the uh, when they first gave him the ring or whatever the yeah, fuck. That shit was cool. But uh he beats the shit out of Spike Dudley, <laughs> brother run. Brother run. In a false count anywhere match. And it's okay. It, it's it reminds me of like brother run versus like uh a Sid or you know, Bam Bam. Back in his, his Mike Awesome stuff. Yeah. There's stuff with Mike Awesome. Yeah. So when they tried to build him as a credible challenger for Mike Awesome's ECW title. And by the way, it worked because Paul's so genius yeah. and that crowd and everything. He was a credible challenger. And he was, he to me, Spike Dudley is very underrated because he's one of the best underdogs in wrestling history. And I don't think he gets the credit for that. Yeah. Some of his WWF shit was 
wasn't like it was kind of just filler and it didn't mean much to anything. But his ECW stuff, he was like, they believed in him, that crowd, that little fucking bastard. They thought he could do something and he got huge pops. And, you know, I think he like sold out some of the buildings they got, you know, like people came to see him and see if he Spike could yeah. win the big one. So, and even like when he did the heel cruiserweight title thing in yeah. WWE, like he's had more of a story career than people give him credit for. So, and I thought he was all right here, but you know, he's there to get his ass kicked and make Abyss look good, which I think he did. I would give this a yeah. six star. I would, I would actually say seven. I, I kind of enjoyed this because I, I liked where they were going. I mean, I thought they pivoted from it, which was stupid. Yeah. What'd you think, Eric? I liked it. I, I thought it was enjoyable. I thought I loved the underdog story. And speaking yeah. from a Philadelphia fan, we we loved the underdog. We, we that's why that's why he was so over in um, the ECW crowd. Exactly. Philadelphia fan, Philadelphia fans loved the underdog. Yeah, and the the thing about the thing about you know Spike or or Run is. Like, again, we said it earlier, and he was very well liked. Remember, he comes from a teaching background. He was a third grade teacher when he got it. Well, yeah, and he just, he seems like a nice guy, too. But also, like, with the overalls and the tie-dye, he's just an odd little guy that does not look like he belongs. He looks like a little twerp, but that makes you really like him. Yeah. And root yeah. for him. Like, he's got to go down. Yeah. As far as, like, he's of course, if you made the list, Rey Mysterio would have to be the top of it. Of, of the underdogs. Of the yeah. underdogs. And, and then you could throw, like, but you got to throw Spike up there, at least in the top five. Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I like a Mick Foley, even though he's not small or anything, but he because he was fat, he always. Guys that think were going to make it, yeah. but did. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, you said Ray should be up there. I I, I would definitely put Spike up there. Foley, because not a lot of people believed in Foley. Yeah, because he always looked like a slub that could get his ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, you know, another guy that could probably uh, make that list would probably be a guy like Owen Hart, because I don't think a lot of, uh, you know. Yeah, he was kind of an underdog. Yeah, he was kind of an underdog because he was living in the shadows of his brother, now, if you listen to Boxman, uh, Owen was a better worker than Brett. And as as good as I think he is, but and as good as he is as, at wrestling, I you can put Danielson in that list, especially around the time he won the title. That felt like an underdog. Moment. It was an it was an underdog moment. It was a, a tremendous story because of the storyline that they built behind it. That was actually that was the last good thing. That that old piece of shit Vince McMahon did. Now he was forced into it because the fans were wanted to kill him after shoving Batista down their throat. <laughs> yeah. But uh, like he knew enough, and I, I, to be honest with you, I don't even think he knew enough. I think people were just saying we need to do this. Yeah. And he was still he was at that point where it was like, okay, we'll listen to the people. Uh, I mean, I'm never going to listen to the people again, but we'll listen to the people and we'll do it. But then Danielson, you know, ended up hurting his neck. So, like, I mean, in my opinion, yes, it was a good story and all that, but his neck couldn't hold up. So it almost, to me, felt like it was kind of a waste of a storyline. Well, yeah. Yes and no. Anything was such a, like, that's still... 
that's top ten WrestleMania endings. Yeah. So you can't say it failed. Afterwards, it failed. The storyline as a whole. But yeah. for what that storyline did in the one night at WrestleMania is far worth. And leading up and, to it. Leading and, up and to the it. Was, ship was, was like, okay. Months leading up to it. Great. Yeah. So he didn't get a long title run out of it, but the win itself was so monumental. And him it, with the two belts. It was it. monumental. And then, like, I felt like it was just because of neck. And I, I understand, you know, you take the toll and all that. You're not wrong. It faltered. It definitely yeah. faltered. You're not wrong. Because yeah. of the next You're not wrong. shit. And even with the next shit, like, Kane was not the proper next guy to go up against him. Even if it was the corporate shit, and I understand what they were doing. Like, there's more stuff you could give to him besides Kane. Uh, I mean, the first person I would have thought of automatically was just, you know, because technically the guy won the Royal Rumble, so he should have gotten a one-on-one title shot. You should have put Batista with him. Yeah, and I love Kane, but yeah, you could put Batista with him and automatically do that. But uh, no, like it's just, but yeah, Runt Dudley, brother Runt, the Runt man, OG Runt, definitely belongs on that type of list. Now let's move on to me, one of the highlights of the night. I almost gave it match of the night before I saw the second to last one, but Samoa Joe, Rhino, and Monty Brown. What a fight this was. What a fight. Three prime motherfuckers that are ready to go. Because this is right before Rhino got fat. Yeah. This is still, Rhino's still in good shape, and he's not fat. And even when he got fat, he did good. I'm not trying to say it all went downhill or anything, because I love his stuff well, with Heath. And well, remember. It shouldn't still be happening now, <laughs> but yeah. him and Heath. Well, they did drop the tag title to the Motor City Machine Gun. Good. In, in impact. Yeah, I know. Uh, but the thing with Rhino, Rhino... So, if for a lot of people that don't know this, it, you know, 2005 to 2007, Rhino was not in a good headspace. Mm-hmm. 2005, he got uh, he got fired from WWE the night before WrestleMania. Well, they they needed him to do a dark match, or a, a, a battle royal that was just going to be put on the DVD. Yeah. Uh, so, but he got into some trouble with his wife at the time, and uh, he threw something at her head at a Ooh. hotel. Uh, yeah, I want to say this was like right after WrestleMania. Uh, or no, no, no. It was either right after, it was either at WrestleMania or it was the uh, the European tour that happened after. Because this might have actually happened in Germany. Yeah. Or no, they got into the fight at uh, at the hotel. And then while he was in Germany for the European tour, she called him and said, hey, just so you know, I'm divorcing you. So he destroyed another hotel room, and that's when he got fired. Yeah. All right. So anyway, so 2006, we fast forward. He's in TNA. They called him to come back for the reboot of ECW. And he started cutting promos on the company saying, fuck you. You fired me last year. You want me back this year. But I'm in TNA now. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> okay. And then he started doing this. Well, then in the beginning of 2007, he was going through more personal issues because he wasn't allowed to see his daughter. So he started drinking. Yeah. And, you know, it was just real fucked up. But here he was probably 
It was some of his best wrestling, though. Yeah. Because it's, like, I a kid, and it's fucked up, and I'm not trying to say, like, hard times, you know, that bring out your best work, even though, like, the, it infamously does in art. Um, like, Michelangelo, like, the best paintings come from pain. The best music comes from sadness. Yeah. Like, usually art and the best forms of art are, like, it, like, look at music. Some of the best music came from, like, that Edgar Allan Poe's horror. He had such a hard life. Like every a lot of good things and good art and good presentation and entertainment comes from hard times that people are going through, and they kind of throw it into that. It, I, I, usually that stuff's better than the fucking poppy cheery shit, you know. Like oh, I'm all happy all the fucking time. Yeah. Oh no, I you, you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And because you think about Kurt and everything that was going on with his wife and. Perk Angle on the Percocets and shit, and he was going, but that TNA run was fucking awesome, <laughs> and Angle was, on, like, honestly doing his best shit, even though he was on drugs and his life was falling right, apart. because remember, you know, we're just a few weeks away from him coming in, Yeah, and he had just gotten fired. Because you think, like, you think about it more with the drugs and, and like, a, a Jake the Snake or a Hawk, to where they're going downhill. That's yeah. kind of how they paint it. But other times, you get like a Kurt Angle or a Rhino that, yes, they're going downhill. And, yes, their life was going downhill. And, yes, they're on a pay-per-view not seen by millions like WWE. But they're doing some of their best wrestling. Yeah. They are doing some of their best well, work. It's not a lie. Too, no, no, you're not lying. But also creative freedom. Mm-hmm. Because you have people back there that, like, you're not being harassed. You're not a publicly traded company. Uh, you are pretty much just, okay, you're going to go do this. There's not a lot of people out there, but you have your hardcore niche. Yeah, just think about, like, Matt Hardy. How how bad was his life with the whole Lita and Ed shit? And th- that stuff was fucking awesome, though. Even though his life, and it was, like, sad life imitating art, that his feud with Edge was cool. Yeah. It was really good. He should have won more than he did. But it, it was a good it was a good angle. I think the only thing he won was the cage match. Right? Yeah, but that cage was so fucking good. When he came off the top onto him on the table. Yeah. Uh, so what I'm saying is sometimes even though shit can be going downhill in your personal life, sometimes that's your best work. And Rhino, it could say to say his TNA run was really good, even yeah. though his life was like you said, going through turmoil. Right, and you also have first of all, like this match is pretty much set to build up Samoa Joe. It, by which he was, of course, and he was being built at this time, and he hadn't won, he hadn't lost anything yet, or pinfall or submission wise. Rhino hit a very good promo before this that was yeah. very intense and badass. But also, you have three prime kind of jack tough motherfuckers. I mean, Samoa Joe's not jack, but still, he's a tough. Dude. Like all three of these guys look like credible threats for a world title. Yeah, that's what worked about this match. All three of these guys looked at taking main event with Jarrett and half, but uh. I really, I really like this match. What did you think? So, <laughs> you have Monty Brown here, and you kind of figured Monty Brown was going to be the one to do the job or, or to take the fall because there was really no reason for him to win because it had been speculated for quite some time how unhappy he was. Because he went down with a knee uh, with a knee injury in March, came back in June. He wasn't necessarily happy to be back in June. And when they had him do the uh, uh, 
Uh, he wrestled uh, Ron Killings in the King, King of the Mountain qualifier, and Killings won. So oh, okay. Killings ended up in the match, which made no sense because Monty, you would have felt like they would have built him, built him up. Yeah. But see, you also had two guys who were, you know, both kind of unhappy. Yeah, pissed off at the company. Let's let's take our aggression out of this match. Yeah, beat the shit out of each other. Pissed off at the company. We hate, you know, we don't want to fucking work here anymore. Truth had more friends than Monty Brown did, so that's why Truth ends up going over in that King of Mountain match. And Monty was just kind of just... Yeah, but Truth is here, and Ron Killens is on the pre-show. Yeah. Or, you know, Monty Brown is is there, yeah. But, uh, like, here... Because, again, he would go to WWE, and... Uh, well, first, before... Uh, I think it was just a few weeks after this. Or after the... Or, you know, maybe just like two weeks after this, he did the ballpark brawl in Buffalo that Kenny Lehman and I were at. Yes. And what's funny about that, I'm pretty sure I've told the story before on the show, but he wrestled Matt Morgan. Ooh. And they start fighting in the crowd over by uh, Kenny Lehman and I. And we had two little kids with us that were neighbors of Kenny. So he go and so they start coming over towards us. I look at Kenny and say, Kenny, we got to get the kids out of here. And then I look over and say, Kenny, he had a, now he didn't say anything to me. He just fucking took off with the kids and left me there to get fucking mulled over. <laughs> now, what had happened? What had happened was sorry, Doug. What had happened was I grabbed one of the uh, the chair I was sitting in and I folded it up because I'm just like if one of these motherfuckers comes at me I'm swinging. Security guard looks at me and just shakes his head and goes no, put it down. I looked at him and said no, hey get these fuckers back in the ring. <laughs> if you want this chair down that those fucking assholes are going in the ring. So then I did. I walked over towards Kenny. I said, "Thanks for leaving me hanging." He goes, "Fuck you. The kids are more important." <laughs> uh, so Sorry, Doug. <laughs> it wasn't you. It wasn't. I mean, you fucked me over just about as many times. <laughs> but that's different. Yeah. Uh. No, but I thought this match was delicious. <laughs> it was a great match. A lot of, a lot of. I thought you were lying earlier when you <laughs> said you were going to use that terminology. <laughs> I just, I was waiting for the right moment to put it in. Uh, no, but three credible guys beating the shit out of each other. To me, this was one of the highlights of the night. I liked that it was false count anywhere, and they went everywhere. Samoa Joe was the right guy to win. There wasn't a lot wrong with this match. It was almost perfect for what it was. I give it an 8.5 out of 10. I would almost say a 9. Or I, I give it a 9. I give it a 9, too. Yeah. Okay. Now let's move on to Sharilda. 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 Versus Gail Kim. And Gail Kim looked pretty good tonight. Yeah. But also, she can wrestle her ass off. What did you want to say about her entrance? Me or Eric? 
Ew. She looked pretty fucking hot. <laughs> I mean, there's really no other way to describe it. I mean, her yeah. board, the team she was managing at the time, they got bumped from the show, but, you know, Vince Russo and all that, made, they probably saw what she, they were probably going to cut her and Sorelda because it was the match that really didn't need to happen. But then Vince Russo probably saw what she was wearing. He's like, nah, the guys get cut. I'm glad they did, though. She To me, she's top ten women of all time. Yeah. She she's like number one Top woman five. outside of WWE. She's so fucking good. For she's just she was a trailblazer, you know. She was a fucking trailblazer. She was the women's and revolution. I have before the women's revolution, she was a better wrestler than Trish Stratus. Let's yeah. put that out there. She's a better wrestler than Lita in the ring. You know, she she's one of the best in ring wrestlers of all time, female wise. So, and I'm glad she kind of got those flowers in TNA that they never really gave her in WWE. But this match. I'm gonna argue there. Yeah, I think we all agree on that. I'll give this a a six because it was just her wrestling herself pretty much. Yeah. Sorelda sucked. Yeah. She got Sorelda, and which by the way, Sorelda was at that ballpark brawl show too uh, under her. Actual or her, her other wrestling name, which was Jamie D. Yeah. Uh, and like she came in, she was a referee, and like uh, what was funny was uh, I was noting like how much she sucked or whatever, and I'm like, oh my god, she's fucking awful. And then because she's another one of those well-built, you know, muscular China-like types, yeah. so of course I was shouting from the crowd about how you know she needs to decide what. Uh, you know, what gender she wants to be. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> and then during the main event, which was uh, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, uh, and a couple other people involved, but I forgot who. Oh, uh, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Homicide. And I want to say there was somebody else involved. But uh, I forget who, uh, but it was a four-way. She comes sit out in a crowd, and she's like 20 feet away from us. Jesus. And Samoa Joe, not Samoa Joe, Kenny says to same, me. Same thing. Yeah. Kenny says to me, he goes, oh, there's Jamie D. You're going to say anything to her? I said, yeah, I am. So I shout over, you ugly bitch. And she looks over my way. And I, I just look over because I'm like, I ain't you should come over here and kick my fucking ass. <laughs> but yeah, no. Did you point to uh, Kenny? Huh? Did you point to Kenny? No, I didn't point to Kenny. Uh, okay. I thought you were going to. I thought you were going to get my ass kicked at these events so many times. How many events have you been to with him? We've been to a few. I, I was going to say like four or five. I've been like... I went to at least three with him because we went to the SmackDown ECW show with him, right? Was he there for no, that? that no, was that was Kenny, Kenny West. We You've went to Ring of to, Honor with him. You went to a Ring of Honor and uh, you went to a Ring of Honor into that SmackDown house show. Yes. He never went to any of the Raws or anything with us? I invited him, but he, you know, he's fucking cheaper than we are. Uh, I know, I've never been to an event with you, uh, Daniel. Not yet. 
soon. WrestleMania, baby, WrestleMania. The three of us. Really never went. You were in an event with him when we did that naked mud wrestling here at the house. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm not supposed to talk about that, right? Well, the pay-per-view hasn't come out yet. Oh. Uh, let's okay, move on. Anyway. Tashenshi, Loki, Caval, whatever you want to call the little bald angry man, not Doug. <laughs> <laughs> he's going by Senshi here. Loki, I know you don't like him because he's stiff and he hurts people and he's kind of a dickhead. But he in ring, the man was phenomenal and put on some really good wrestling. Oh, he, he was, he, he was a no good butt fucking asshole. Mm-hmm. But yes, he 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 was good in the ring. He knew how to wrestle. Yeah, and if he liked you, yes, he would cooperate with you. Yes, if he didn't, he'd be stiff as shit. Yeah, but Petey Williams and Lethal, I think he liked them because this was a really good match. This. Uh, all three guys could go. Williams is, and his Canadian destroyer are famous. Lethal is still killing it today. And Senshi, you know, defended the title. And it was really good. I, I, I thought this was one of the better matches on the card. I give it an 8 out of 10. I would say about an 8, yeah. The wrestling on this card is a lot better than some wrestling that we've covered on other pay-per-views. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because they care more about wrestling here. Especially these last three matches. Oh, I can agree with that. What do you think, he nasty? I liked it. I give it eight. All right. I agree. He agrees, Doug. Good. Fucking All right. Now, to my match of the night, the Latin American Exchange, Homicide and Hernandez, the original version, which is my favorite version, against AJ Styles yeah. and Christopher Daniels for the NWA Tag Team titles. And AJ and Christopher Daniels properly defend. We don't have a title change on this card. This match was fucking awesome from toe to toe. I really love these two as rivals too, but I love them as a tag team. I thought that was AJ's best tag yep. team. Yeah. I thought they were really good together and athletic. you could tell they were friends and they just they they had a good time together and they 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 had good tag team moves. They kind of went low at the end, but good. And uh yeah, they they could work really well and LAX is one of the best TNA tag teams. Hernandez was a great big man and Homicide could go with the smaller guys. Right, so personally, I don't like LAX mm-hmm. because they're all three of them, including Conan, are scumbags. Okay. Uh, and uh, well, not even necessarily Homicide because Homicide really didn't do anything wrong. He just hung out with shitty people. Yeah. I mean, one of his best friends is Eddie Kingston, who is the most horrible person on the fucking planet. Uh, and, like, nobody can stick up from him. Oh, he's so good in the ring. No, he sucks. Uh, he's fucking dog shit. But, like, Hernandez was an actual fucking asshole. Conan was a... My issue with Conan is, especially here, because here it was kind of like, you know how, like, I bitched about before, like, the the guys that have like the insurance policies and like, you can't touch them. Like you can't hit them because they can't take bodily harm, but they can hit you. Yeah. I I don't like that shit. If you're going to get involved, like if I'm in, if I'm wrestling somebody and your manager comes up and hits me, you get to punch. Uh, and I go to hit you and you're like, no, you can't touch me. I got an insurance. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to cost you some fucking money because you're irritating the fucking piss out of me. 
So I'm going to hit you. Uh, and like with Conan, because Conan couldn't really be touched at the time because he was dealing with his kidney issues. Yeah. So he made sure to put that in writing. He's like, look, I can touch you, but you can't hit me. Fuck you. I think they should hit you anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, hit, you so, hit you so hard that that's what puts your broken ass on fucking dialysis. Uh, Jesus Christ. I hate that motherfucker. Oh, um, <laughs> Yeah, because of wrestling stuff. Yeah, but like, and Hernandez, you know, this is before, you know, Hernandez went into his, uh, you know, Michael Irvin phase where, you know, even though he was really good at his job, he still got arrested every week. Uh, He was a good wrestler, though. Yeah. I liked Hernandez. Yeah. Just in the ring. Well, yeah, in the ring, he was fine. And then, like, afterwards, like, you know, in 2010, when they really wanted to push him and all that shit, you know, Dixie was, you know, just thought he was the greatest thing in the world. Bischoff got a look at his arrest record, and he's just like, yeah, I don't know if we should push the guy. <laughs> Bischoff's just like, yeah, I don't think so. Because Bischoff is smart. That's funny. Uh, but this match was awesome. I think they played as good heels, at least. Oh, they, and, they did. They and, were a great heel team. I enjoyed the match. I would say a nine. And AJ and Daniels. And Daniels is a good heel, too, because he's a good shit talker. And AJ yeah. can pretty much, has proven he can do either or. Uh, but I, yep. their style is, nat- especially back then, because AJ has developed a lot more of a safer style as he's gotten older and older. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't want to hurt yourself out there. Yeah, He's definitely a lot more exactly. strong like now in the way he works but back then he would get crazy and he would have a lot of fun and just fly and he didn't give a fuck yeah and that was one of my favorite versions of him now he can work with anybody and make it a good match now so he's a much more clean established you know performer yeah he's more honed in on his skills wow. now but back then he would throw everything he's at the ceiling it was, he's more polished that's a great word for yeah. it but, now like and here's the thing too like here he was a good baby face but, like, you go to, like, 2008, 2009-ish, when he was doing the whole, oh, I'm so, you know, I'm sick of all the veterans and all that shit. Yeah. Where he started acting like this disrespectful young guy. That was written bad, though. Yeah. That was bad material. It given. was bad material because even though, like, you know, Joe and AJ were supposed to be, like, the baby faces and all that, you had them coming out as disrespectful punks. Yeah. So, like... I didn't like, like... Isn't that when he was with Christian? Huh? Isn't that when he was with uh, Christian and, and, uh, he was and uh, Christian. Tomko? Yeah. yeah. He was a heel with Christian and Tomko. But I'm talking like main event, start of like main event mafia. Yeah, when he was the... Okay. What were they called? The revolution? Or... Uh, the front line. Yeah, the front line sucked. And we've talked about that at the beginning of this show, like two years ago, in the stable tier list. Yeah. We talked about how bad the front line was. That's not really his fault going up against some of the most popular wrestlers ever. Like he just he was gonna look arrogant and going against those old guys, you yeah. know. Yeah. There's a way to make that the main event mafia should have never been the heels there. It should have been the other way around. The young bucks should have been the heels winning and taking over. Yeah. The main event mafia should have been coming from behind. Like right. how the new blood did it. With the billionaires club. Right. But and, and what was funny, though, too, was that, like, the Millionaire's Club, they were all coming off heel runs. Yeah. 
when that happened. And a lot of these new blood guys were guys that they were just cheering for back at the uncensored pay-per-view three weeks earlier. Now all of a sudden they're all heels. Yeah. I'm not saying that was done right. I'm just saying that's closer to what they seem to be wanting. Yeah. But around this time, AJ's style was so exciting, and so was Christopher Daniels, that it, they were natural baby faces. Yeah. They didn't even have to talk. You just want to root for him because you see him flying over the fucking ropes. Uh, and it's like, ooh, that's exciting. I want to root for this guy. Uh, yeah, this match is a 9 out of 10 for me. Yeah, definitely. All right. Jeff Jarrett versus Sting. Eric gives it a 9-2. Jeff Jarrett with Scott Steiner yeah. versus Sting with Christian Cage. This is the main event. This is the... Of course, the resistance, this is the meat and potatoes, this is the, the dessert, the cherry on top of the cake. This is what we came for. This is what Doug comes for. Uh, things <laughs> Christian Cage, which, by the way, I'm sorry, but going in this with no context whatsoever and not knowing what's going to happen, I already knew Christian Cage was going to turn heel. Yeah. It just felt super obvious. The way he was talking, the promo. That, that, that promo. Like, he was getting too fired up. It was kind of like MJF with Cody when they did that shit. It's like he's going to turn on him. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, Christian was coming off a babyface run, so it's a little different than MJF. But it was still just the way he was talking in the back and how he was so excited. It's like he's going to fuck Sting over. Yeah. Yep. And they were overhyping him as that. They kept saying he's going to be in Sting's corner all night long, and you knew yeah. he was going to turn. I, I do think... They were overplaying that too much. They were overplaying that, and I know they wanted to... This still had a big fight feel to it, but it yes, did it take did. a little bit away from the big fight feel, Steiner and Cage fucking around a little too much. Yeah. It would have been a little better yeah. without them, I think. You know what it kind of reminds... And Cage just does his thing at the end. You know what it kind of reminds me of? So, the 1994 King of the Ring, it was Diesel and Brett. Yes. And Shawn Michaels was... Uh, in Diesel's corner, mm-hmm. and Bret Hart was going to bring somebody to be in the corner, uh, in his corner, to kind of neutralize Sean, and it ended up being Amber Nightheart. Well, again, Sean was also kind of among that, uh, you know, among the deal, too, where he was kind of dealing with injuries, mm-hmm. or he was telling people he was injured so nobody would hit him. Yeah. Because uh, he, he was Shawn Michaels' ultimate pussy at the time. Uh so, douchebag, you can say it. Yeah. Douchebag, pussy, same contact. Uh, so, like, uh, and a lot of that match, and it was a 22-minute match, a lot of it was Shawn Michaels fucking around and the anvil chasing him around, not getting to him. Because yeah. the referee would always stop him. And every time he would stop the anvil, Shawn would go and take a cheap shot at Brett. Okay. That's what this kind of reminded me of. It's just like Scott Steiner would deliver cheap shots as Christian Cage would, you know, distract the referee because he's trying to get the Steiner. And, you know, the referee would stop him but not see what Steiner was doing. Even though there was like three other referees in the entryway. Yeah. Because one of the – well, there was at least one other referee in the entryway when Steiner hit Sting in the leg with the chair. Because they took for a while, they took a while to get to the back. Yeah. So you just kind of knew. So that kind of took away from it a little bit. But besides that, I thought the match was a lot of fun. I was rooting for Sting the whole time. I thought Jarrett worked as a heel. 
I thought him throwing Jared in the random ship was pretty cool, and the whole brawling aspect of the match. I thought the match. I think these are natural rivals. You know. Yeah. They work against each other. Uh, they don't really need to be wrestling each other, but they were good against each other. And I didn't mind the Christian Cage. The way he did it with uh, Sting coming off the top, even though it seemed like, all right, like, Sting, how do you not know what this guy's about to do? Like, he's sitting there like this with the guitar, like, come on, Sting, just stop. <laughs> I'm not going to do nothing, but just stop. But he's got the guitar, like, ready. Like, he's, like, holding it like a fucking baseball fan. <laughs> like, yeah. like, it's like Sting. Yeah. Like, Cage is standing out. It's like, no, he's not. <laughs> he's not standing out. He's about to fuck him up. Uh, but the way he did hit the shot on the money, though, with the yeah. guitar, that was – it It bursted the right way. Like, that was a cool guitar shot to the head. So that kind of worked. And then Jarrett crawled over for the heel win. And I thought it was all good. I thought this was a solid ending to a really good pay-per-view, and I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. Yeah. So would I. Can, can we uh, talk a little bit of the backstory leading up to this where uh, – they call it the Orlando screw job where uh, Jarrett, how Jarrett won the title in the first place. Oh, when he won it at uh, Slammiversary? Slammiversary, yeah. All right, so they're under – so Jim Cornette is in charge of TNA right now. You know, he's part of management. At Slammiversary, Earl Hebner uh, – Low blowed, I think it was it's either funny Christian how got or him involved in this. Earl Hebner low blowed either Christian or Sting. Larry Zabisco pulled the ladder no. over. Huh? No, it's the other way around. I thought Earl pushed the ladder because he was already he was down. Uh, Larry Zabisco low blowed Sting, I think, and then uh, Earl Hebner was down. And then he got up and pushed the ladder as as Christian and Sting were fighting over the uh, belt. All right. Anyway. All right. They both fucked things up for Christian and Sting. Eric was right, wasn't he? <laughs> he may have been. You want to gloss over it when you're the one being No, right. I am right. I watched it. I watched it a couple times. So you were wrong, and Eric was right about something with wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, are you gonna give me my praise? I got something right. over Doug. Yeah. Uh, just uh, make sure that uh, when you brag about this to other people, you actually include context on it, and uh, you know, actually tell it correctly. Unlike the person that beat me in the debate last week, that. Uh, <laughs> You know, when she told the story, she just, all she went and said, oh, I beat Doug at something. That's uh, all you really need to say, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, if, if, if you want to brag about being right or beat me at something, that's fine. But be correct. And, uh, Ooh, like, correct like you just weren't? Yes. Correct like I just wasn't. <laughs> be correct about it and make sure you give context. To where, like, the per, because if I get made fun of, I better get made fun of correctly. Because if I have to correct the way you're making fun of me, then you're a fucking idiot. Wait, the way Eric just corrected you? No, I'm <laughs> bitching about something else that <laughs> I, know, I know you're not, but I'm just having fun with the moment. 
Yeah. You know I'm just messing with you, Doug. How many times have you messed with me on this show? Very true. Too many to count. You got Maybe it. even in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so he he got me. He was right over me. Uh, I mean, he's fired, but he was right <laughs> over It was a good last show. <laughs> no, but I thought this match was really good. Let's give our final thoughts, unless you're still making that point, whatever it was. It's lost. I, it, it's lost. Uh, uh, I'll give my final thoughts first. I thought that this was a really solid TNA show in a good era with a lot of young guys that were ready to work their asses off and give the crowd a fun time, especially after a fire. It felt like they were kind of making up for the first half hour of people just probably like, I want to go home. Yeah. So I really enjoyed like the, the Samoa Joes and the Monty Browns and the styles and the Daniels on here. And even like the Senshi, like, like people just worked their asses off here and the matches were so good and probably better than what you're getting on the other channel at this point. So I thought, I yeah. thought the wrestling, I thought the wrestling was really good here. The promos were all right. And like the, the storylines besides like the main event storylines probably needed a little work and maybe not the, the greatest storylines on planet earth, but the matches themselves were a lot of fun to watch. And I didn't get bored at all really during this thing. And there wasn't a lot of filler. Yeah. Even the filler there was, like Brother Runt and Abyss, was a fun watch. So, I thought it was. I thought it was a good pay per view, and I give it an eight out of ten. Yeah, because each pay per view was kind of just built up, you know, properly. Yeah, nothing felt like nothing. The, the world didn't get changed, you know. No belts changed hands or anything. But I just thought it was a solid pay per view. Yeah. So I go eight. All right, Eric. I'll go next. Um, I enjoyed the pay per view besides the first half an hour where that. They the fire and stuff, but it is what it is. I enjoyed it. Each match was fun, um, especially the last three, four matches. They were really good. I give this a 9 out of 10. I enjoyed it. I like the storyline where it progresses. Well, as we said earlier, we'll probably do another one. But I, I liked where this was going, especially with Kurt Angle coming in and that storyline with Mojo, we'll get, we'll probably do some shows with that too. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. All right. So, to me, 2000, probably uh, like when they started on Spike TV in October of 2005, to probably, I would say, to the start of the Hogan era, even though I liked a lot of the stuff like when they started the Hogan era, but I would actually say, like, their best stuff was 2005 to the beginning of 2009. Cause you know, when the main event yeah. mafia came in and all that, and a lot of that stuff, I mean, the wrestling was still good, but a lot of that stuff was kind of stupid. Cause you know, we talked about it earlier. Yeah. I didn't love it. All right. But here they were starting to cook on all cylinders. Cause you were starting to get big names in to work with people. Yeah. And yep. so this pay-per-view did a good job. Now uh, the whole fire thing, you know, you could have cut that out. Yeah. Like, I understand not cutting it out of live pay-per-view, but on the fucking DVD release, it doesn't need to be there. No, it doesn't. Uh, yes, uh, you know, but a lot of this stuff was good. Uh, so I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. All right. Yeah, I think we could all agree this was a good, for the first TNA pay-per-view we did on the show, it was a pretty solid show. 
Yeah. Like I said, I don't think it was monumental. Like it's not a 10 show or like, but it was a lot of fun with a lot of good wrestling in it and some cool things to keep you interested. So I'd love to do TNA again. We will. Why don't you tell the good people what we're doing next week? Do you know? Yeah, well, I got a good idea. I got a good idea. If not, then I have an idea. All right. What's your idea? What I talked to you about earlier, but it wouldn't be a fan vote. It would be our individual list. Okay. Do you want to do that? Uh, you might as well tell him before he. Wait, did you say you have an idea? I'm going to be another idea. Which All one? Right. All right, you give your idea. I don't know. We, we can do that in the future. I, I would just, we can do that um, in a couple of weeks. What is it? Someone I was gonna, give me a topic. It was going to be bound for glory, but we can. Since we just did it, we can do it. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we just did yeah. a TNA pay per view. Let's do. Uh, was your idea really good? Did, were you excited about it, or I wasn't really excited about it. I just think it's it, it was timely because the person's birthday is coming up next week. Well, what is it? My idea was a top ten Goldberg moments and matches. Let's do that. I like the sound of that. You sure? Yes. That's fine with me. What was right. yours? Uh, top 20 tag teams of all time, but we would do our own list because we did a fan vote last time, and I don't like the fan vote. <laughs> so, uh, so I would do our own list for our top ten, 20 favorite tag teams of all time. But we'll do that in different. We'll do the Go- Goldberg uh, moments and matches. Yeah, because I, yeah, I think his birthday is two days after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So it would be uh, like it would be next week. So. I mean, the the ultimate timestamp on all the matches is going to be like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like all together. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, it, it will not take us long uh, a lot of squashes. to do such a thing. I can come up with the list right now, though. There's some good ones. So, yeah, let's we'll do that. Eric, start sending some suggestions in the group chat, and we'll, we'll get a list yep. together for top 10 moments and matches for Goldberg. Uh, there's nothing else going on on the network this weekend. Me and Mindy might do something for Stabcast on Sunday, but we'll keep everybody posted. And uh, uh, next week's Unscripted Unlimited is going to be our year end uh, year end awards. Yes. So that's going to be next Saturday night, New Year's Eve, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm sure Boxman and Smart are still doing a show, so check for check the wrestling outlet out on YouTube uh, Wednesdays at 10:15, 10:20 Eastern time. Hollywood Hangouts. Saturday or Sundays, 9.30 p.m. Eastern time uh, when he wants to do a show. I know he's been kind of not doing shows lately, but again, he's a, uh, he's getting old. So, you know, yeah, he's getting old. So he's getting lazy. These are his words. Uh, Has he not been doing shows lately? I think, well, uh, he hasn't been doing a lot of Hollywood hangouts. Yeah, that's what he had told us. I mean, he still wants us to plug them. But... I was trying to go on him once with him. Yeah. Uh, well, you're young and vibrant, and he's old and uh, lazy. Uh, <laughs> good guy though. Uh, be an even better guy if he does a lot of these sitcom debates with us. Uh, but all right, also check out Sean Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch. Eric and Clintus will be back with hard hits, I believe, next week. If not, then I just lied to you. Uh, and we're out of here. Probably right. Thursday because I have something on Wednesday. Okay. All right. Dan, you and I got to go get a bikini wax. Let's go. You guys have a good time. Be careful out there. Everybody have a safe and happy um, holiday.
Thank you. Sir. Have a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You too. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.